Women Making Waves. We went to see our family and there were six of us there and we had, there was so much noise because everybody needs to get out their own story. Mm. And sometimes you can't do that on Zoom, can you? Well, no, because you can really only hear one person at a time or it just becomes a big, a big messy muddle. Yeah, exactly. So we got on and we caught up with all the things that we need to to tell people what we had done and we listened to what everybody else had done. And the one interesting part to it, well, it was all interesting, but this is something I'd never heard one of our daughters talk about, was investing their money. She saved up a little bit of money from not going out through lockdown. And so I really take my hat off to her. She's saved and still continues to save, even though we've gone past lockdown. Now restrictions have finished and we're able to go out. She's still got the money. And she was talking to my husband and her brother about her group of friends don't talk about money and what they can do mm. with their little investment or anything they want to do invest. And she said, it's probably because I'm not interested, but I'm now interested because... I do have some money. I have saved. So it was it was something that really caught my attention in the sense that I don't think women talk about investment as much as we probably yeah, ought to. Yeah, it's true, actually. It's not a topic of conversation I would ever think to have with my mm. female friends, actually. You're right. It's a male thing. And, and it's not no disrespect to the men and, and them doing that. But I think we haven't given ourselves an opportunity to talk about it, let alone have money to to invest. But if we if we talk about it more, then we would probably think more about saving a bit more money to do that and not maybe going on holidays too much or maybe investing so that we could go on a bigger holiday maybe in a few years' time. I don't know. I don't know how this works. But it was an interesting aspect that I'd never thought about with my own two daughters and maybe with your daughter that might happen too in a time when she thought she once she she stops being a perpetual um student yes <laughs> yes exactly <laughs> not much investing there except well, yes yeah. that's right yeah yeah so that was good so and of course that really goes on to our guest our first guest doesn't it sarah turner founded angel academy way back in 2014 and Really looking forward to hearing what she has to say about women investing. It's uh, it is something I'm very interested. I'm very scared to invest my money because I'm I'm always worried about losing the point. hard earned, yeah. you know, and hard saved money that I have. Exactly. So you know, people do say if you've got anything spare that you can lose, then investing is really really good. And I I you know. At being a bit tight, I don't really feel I can lose any of it. You know, that is my worry. But great to hear what Sarah has to say about that. And then, of course, we're moving on to animals. Everybody likes animals, don't they? You've got your dog. I used to have my cats. Yeah, we, well, we all love animals. I think we are a nation of animal mm-hmm. lovers. I think most countries are. But as you say, our second guest this week is Rebecca Willers. <laughs> And boy, she is director of Shepworth Wildlife Park as well. And what a what an interesting lady. Yeah, indeed. It's no secret. She was brought up amongst animals. You know, she's brought up in a conservation park, really, by her, her mum and dad, who, who kind of accidentally, as you'll hear her say, started looking after lots and lots of animals. I, I, I still think what an amazing <laughs> way to be brought up. You know, we always had dogs in the house. But it's it's not quite the same as having all kinds of wildlife that you're looking after and people are bringing along various animals as well. Amazing. Incredible. 
Would you, would you have liked to have done something like that, actually, Susie? Ah, it's a good question, Linda. And if if maybe if I had been asked to do it at a certain age, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't have said no. So who mm. knows? When I was younger, definitely. Yeah. I think I'd have been very, very keen. Yeah. Now I would just think, oh, all that mucking out. <laughs> yes, you know? yes, that's right. I know, <laughs> I know. All the vet spills. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. There's a lot to be to be said about running that place and we'll hear all about that from Rebecca it's an absolute eye-opener and what she's been through as well is quite interesting isn't it it is very interesting story you're listening to women making waves radio show and podcast brought to you by Susie Thorpe and Linda Ness this show is all about women doing extraordinary things Today we meet Sarah Turner, who is an angel investor and co-founder of the fast-growing and award-winning angel network, Angel Academy. Angel Academy invests and connects female-founded and co-founded tech startups with mainly female investors. Well, it's great to have you here on Women Making Waves, Sarah. Perhaps we could just start by asking you exactly what an angel investor is. Could you just tell us a little about what you do? Of course, yes. So an angel investor is an individual, somebody like me. Um, They've normally made a little bit of money there later on in their their career so they have a bit of money to play around with and we're investing a sensible amount of that money into early stage companies so rather than more traditional investment products which go into funds which are managed by other people we're choosing companies and we're putting some money directly into those businesses okay that's what you do that is an angel investor yes. so i the, the next thing is how did you get into it because in an interview recently you said that you have well you love talking with people and you're a, a technologist as well and you're really interested in technology so where did it all begin for you it came out of that interest in technology. I'd, I'd been doing some work with startup companies, all, all technology companies. These companies often need some money at the start of their journey in order to be able to, to grow. And I was supporting them by making introductions to relevant people, some of whom were investors. And then after a while, I thought, well, shouldn't I be investing as well? I'm meeting these companies. Um, it'd be kind of, you know, useful to know a little bit more about it. So most angels invest via networks. They could be informal, they could be formal. And so I joined a couple and, um, you know, haven't looked back since. You originally did a degree in history and politics, Sarah. What kind of career did you have in mind at that stage of your life? <laughs> I had absolutely <laughs> no idea, but it was what I had been interested in at school. And I graduated, I then went travelling for a little bit, then came came back and had to get on with real life and sort of started looking around and it, it was a recession at that point in London so I was kind of picking up bits and pieces of temporary work but nothing I really felt I could get my teeth into and then I found this um, MSc course um, being run by the University of Brighton that was a conversion course for people who had arts and social science backgrounds in order to go and work in the technology industry and I thought actually that's quite interesting and I mm. I did that and 
that was my entry into uh, into technology. Sarah, your dynamics of your family, were you the first to go to university or the second? You'd all, your family are all at, been at university. I want to know why you sort of changed tack and decided in the 90s that you wanted to do technology because... I mean, that was quite forward thinking, I suppose, in some ways in that stage. (laughs) I suppose it was. And it wasn't something that really been on my radar before I I found out about this course. Neither of my parents went to university, actually, until, well, it's not quite true. My mother just picked me to the post. She did (laughs) a a part time degree at Birkbeck as a mature student. So she just got in there before me. But, you know, neither of my parents had been university educated as, as young people. My dad had joined a company as an apprentice. He'd left school after O-levels. And I think both of them were determined that my sister and I would go to university because they felt that they'd missed out on on something. So um, we were always encouraged to to think in that direction. My dad, actually, he was a, you know, he, he joined a, a firm of chartered surveyors. He worked his way up. He ended up as partner. He then started a business with two other colleagues. So he was a bit of an entrepreneur, really, but he never described himself as an entrepreneur. He'd always say self-employed or business owner or something <laughs> yeah. like that. So, you know, I, I went off to university with, you know, no thoughts of setting up a business. And really, I can't remember any discussion ever at university then about being an entrepreneur. It was always it was all about, you know, the kind of jobs that you could get and milk rounds and you know the typical stuff that universities did so you know that really wasn't on my radar technology in those days was just this really really remote thing but when I found this MSc course it was talking about how the technology industry at the time lacked people who could communicate you know fill the gap between the customer and programmers and kind of mm-hmm. you know communicate with both and i i really thought well actually <laughs> that is something i thought i could do and that sounded quite interesting did you have to do quite a lot of technical work you know you actually get doing hands on stuff at university how technical was it yeah so we um we did these sort of kind of crash courses in in the different programming languages so cobol and c and various kind of ancient mm-hmm things that were around not not in a huge amount of depth but it was more about sort of teaching us the principles and you know anyone who's looked at code you know if you kind of understand how one language works you can transfer that between others but it did mean that I was you know kind of knew what was going on when I then went and got a job and had to talk to programmers and, mm-hmm. you know, could kind of relate to them. But um, no, it is valuable, actually. It really is. I, I, I think it's really invaluable. I'd love to see more young women studying kind of more technical subjects at university, because I think, you know, even if you don't end up going into a technical role, it's hugely powerful. It's a huge mm. advantage, and especially if you want to start your own business as well. That interests me that you did this MSc. I assume there weren't that many women on the course, Sarah. Actually, it, it, it wasn't too bad. It was probably about a third women. Wow. It wasn't, it wasn't too bad. And, that, you know, there has been this strange thing that in, in the past, actually, there were lots of women working in the computer industry so several of our lecturers on the course you know been extremely senior in roles in computer science actually more recently numbers have declined I think you know just because for some reason computing's just become much more associated with 
with men. So it, mm. it's a bit of a shame, really. Mm. Mm-hmm. So coming on to the subject then of why it's been a depletion of women in the technology and doing degrees and 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 courses you started angel academy because you didn't see any of yourself you couldn't see women in there being pitched to for companies you 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 went around trying to find out how to be an angel investor and you realized that right that you didn't see many women in that community (laughs) no very few so occasionally you know you go to events and and there would be other women there but then it would turn out they were you know a lawyer and they were there kind of networking rather than there to invest or they were the event organizers so there there were very few women and it was kind of you know they were good fun well-run events and everyone was very nice and friendly but you know they were a little bit patronizing with me and uh, you know people would kind of make assumptions about what I was interested in investing in and sort of you know kind of say oh this babywear company or <laughs> this shoe you know without asking you know and they just kind of <laughs> assume I felt a bit stereotyped but the other thing that I noticed was that if female founders ever came and pitched to those groups there really was quite a a disconnect and it it didn't matter what kind of business she was pitching there just tended to be a kind of intense focus on the financials and and just the conversation did not go as well and you know I think when people are investing they're almost looking to invest in a younger version of themselves so if you don't fit the mold then uh, you're less likely to succeed so you know, I really thought that there would be a, it'd be a lot more, a lot more fun for other women if there were more women in the room. And I also thought the conversation would be better, more varied. You know, there are various aspects you need to consider when investing in a business, and some of those aspects are better understood by women or as well understood by women. And I thought it would also be much more productive for female founders to be pitching to more diverse audiences. I think you mentioned that when women were pitching, they tended to get asked about the risk and about the downside rather than the positive side of profits. And so when men were asking the questions, they they tended to be quite negative in some respects. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I I definitely have seen that. And there's actually some research from an academic at um, the London Business School, I think she is. And um, it's called prevention versus promotion questions and that women tend to be asked these prevention questions and as you say a focus on the downside and the risk whereas men are asked these promotion questions which allow them to sort of give this the very positive story and um and according to this research that the the gender of the investor isn't that relevant but you know i i must say that i think you know, when I've observed our network, which is, it isn't entirely female, it's mainly female, but, you know, everyone is really committed to supporting female founders. They really understand the challenges they, they face. So, you know, we're trying to understand the, <laughs> we're trying to avoid the prevention questions and ask positive questions. But obviously, you have got to understand the business and kind of potential risks and things like that. So um, asking challenging questions is absolutely the right thing to do. But yeah. you do need to ask the same questions of men and women. Sarah, you, so you started Angel Academy, as we said, in 2014. You launched this with your now husband, Simon Hopkins. You co-founded both of you together. 
From 2014 to present day, silly question, but you probably have had challenges. What do you think uh, would have been the big challenges for you in really getting Agile Academy off and away? So, so the main challenge has actually been building the angel side of the, the community. Um, there are all sorts of cultural and social barriers that mean that, you know, women are just less likely to invest in men and not just angel invest, but other asset classes as well. So relative to our wealth, women lag behind men in any sort of investment. So this was one of the kind of major social barriers that that we've had to overcome and still trying to overcome. I wonder why that is, Sarah. Do you have any idea about why? Is it because women earn less? They take longer to make money? You know, in many circumstances, that's still the case, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm well aware of the gender pay gap, but actually in terms of overall wealth in the UK, women own nearly half of it. So we're not investing because we don't have the money in many cases. I think that finances in a family are often controlled by the man, all sorts of sort of traditional role models. Women might just be less interested in finance they're less likely to have had a career in the financial industry so that's another sector where women are few and far between so there's a whole lot of other things and then you know there's this whole stereotype about women being more risk averse than men and rather than question assumptions it often means that financial advisors and people who know about things like angel investing and other types of investing just don't mention it to women or talk about different lower risk things. Mm. So it's a whole bunch of different things conspiring against us. Also, often the way that women make money. I mean, we have a lot of entrepreneurs in our network, some of them who've very successfully sold their businesses, but none of them raised money from angel investors along the way. So they just didn't meet angels and nobody talked to them about angel investing. So there's just generally a lack of awareness. A thing that came out of what you just said there, Sarah, was the language and stereotyping. In order to communicate with people and in a community, an investment community, a technology community, women need to move and groove around that area, don't they? And sometimes we seem to be on the edge, don't we, and not able to be inside and really learning and talking. So before you even start investing as a woman, you need to be in the crowd. Yeah, I I think that's absolutely right. And most financial advisors are men. When I speak to them, they'll freely admit that their, you know, their classic client is another man. So all Mm. the, 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 you know, it's men selling to men and they understand how that works. And they're they're less good at um, selling to to women and understanding women. But yes, I mean, I I think our, our networks are often very different. Certainly when I get together with friends, I'm not usually talking about money and investments. It's something else. So we have different interests and different networks. So it all kind of conspires against it in a way. I think it's really true what you said earlier as well about people like to invest in someone or a younger version of themselves. Mm, it's something right. they understand. But you, you, you also need to know that this opportunity exists to, to invest directly into a, into a company. And, and, you know, it's something that's quite hard to do on your own, find those companies and then make a decision about the, the best ones to invest in. So joining a network is, is the way to 
to do it. And if those networks aren't speaking to women or no women are part of them, then, yeah, then we're sort of accidentally excluded, aren't we, from the conversation? Earlier on at the beginning of the interview, you mentioned investing a sensible amount Mm. rather than large amount. What would you consider a sensible amount? So our investment minimum per deal is £10,000. So, you know, I did say this is for people who've got a reasonable amount of money and it is a it's a high risk asset class so it does need to be money that you're not you're not going to need to see again soon because mm-hmm. it can it, it can be kind of held in that asset for quite a long time and you may not get all of it back as well so yeah. um I talk about a sensible proportion of your investable wealth the bulk of it needs to go into more traditional assets so you know property and pensions and things like that ices and those sort of things mm. and then this is your gamble know, really in some respects well, isn't it, 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 it <laughs> that's one way of putting it but we <laughs> like to think of ourselves as a it's a bit more informed than that and there are various strategies that you deploy in order to manage that risk. So overall, you can reduce your risk by doing certain things, which you learn to do through experience and by being part of a network with other people who've, who've done it before. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think £10,000 isn't too much, though. I mean, I, I had in mind, you know, I was thinking if you were investing, you'd probably have to invest 20, 30, 40 or 50,000. It is fairly at the low end. If you did have expendable money and you you know you had that money sitting around and you could afford to do without it for sure, um, yeah. I don't think I don't think that's too much actually. I I, I, I think that you know our exposure to angel investing is often um, dragon's den, isn't it? Mm. And, and yes. you know they're throwing <laughs> yeah. around large yes, amounts of money, so you think you have to be like them but actually it's far more accessible than most people know and you know if you're investing in a group that we call them tickets the ticket size can be relatively modest and then we have this amazing tax break in the UK as well so you know if you put some money into a high risk early early stage startup company you'll then you'll get a tax credit back well, that helps reduce our risk for a start. It, so, does. Um, it does. Yeah. So, Sarah, now that you you have this award-winning Angel Academy business and it's working, you have women investors. Now, are women investors different to men in the sense, what do they want out of their investment? Are, are, are there two divides? Are men looking for something so much different to what women want? Or are we actually closing the gap in this 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 line? Yeah, so it's a really interesting question. I think, you know, a a lot of women are interested in investing in things that have a social impact, not just a financial return. And a lot of female entrepreneurs are are kind of building businesses that have a social impact as well, some some sort of social impact. And, uh, you know, and I, I, I think that's great we can use our money not just for financial return but to achieve some sort of social goal as well um it is fantastic but as i always say to people that unless there's a good business with a financial return we're not going to be achieving the social impact so it it is important that even if this company is doing good in the world that we make sure that they're very good as 
businesses, the people, it's well run and the way they're approaching the problem is is right and likely to succeed. So um, I, I, I think we need to keep our hard-headed financial hats on as well. Yeah. Do you find that's really important now then to investors that there's a good environmental impact, you know, that, or, or lack of impact, I suppose, in the environment? Yeah. And all of these credentials are in place as well. Is that something that people are very keen on ensuring before they'll invest? Yeah, I think, I think that's, it's becoming more and more crucial isn't it not not just environmental they talk about ESG so environmental social and governments and actually the diversity piece and more women and other kinds of diversity very much comes under the the S the social impact and the G bit so I think we've got a very strong ESG agenda anyway but yes of course you know climate change is a is a huge concern for people and people are very motivated to invest in businesses that are either doing something, as you say, that mitigates climate change. So, you know, technologies that reduce carbon emissions in the the first place. And there are some amazing things out there. We've recently completed an investment in a company that helps in the tracking and the reporting of environmental and, (laughs) and social goals. So, you know, kind of trying to eliminate the greenwashing that's going on at the moment and we're very positive about those sort of businesses and I think there'll be a lot of interest in that space and of course we only want to invest in businesses that are kind of share our values and are well run and decent to their people and planet. Mm. It seems so refreshing to talk to you, Sarah, about your values when you're investing. I just don't imagine that ever happened when men started investing in companies that they wanted to secure the climate and make sure they, you know, the beginning of investment was all about making money. Is there not an element in your business that you just think, actually, we need to make some money? I mean, can you be so raw as to say that? Well, I I, I think we, we do need to make money and we do need to deliver returns to investors otherwise otherwise you know we're not sustainable as a business angel investing isn't sustainable because people will run out of money to to invest fairly quickly yeah but I think you can have purpose and profit at the same time absolutely Um, well said and, and yeah and those purposes can vary you know not every business can do everything but you know they can tackle tackle different things and most of the companies that we've invested in are not making physical products they're doing things digitally and you know it's not like not claiming zero zero impact on the the climate but very much kind of reducing the impact by reducing the need for people to to travel for example or to buy new things or throw things away and we ask this to most of our women because most of you are very, very busy people. In your spare time, what do you get up to? Oh, um, <laughs> yes, not not a lot of spare time, but I, um, <laughs> I, I like to go walking. I live in Brighton, so occasionally go into the sea. <laughs> Ooh, brave woman. Um, I have, I, I've been a bit, slack this year but I last wind swam all year and you know I like to see family and friends and eat out and all those normal things I I read a lot especially fiction helps turn my my mind off and and Sarah 
from a mentor or a hero in in the industry that you are in and the, the business industry and investing are there women or, or men that you look up to or, or talk to that actually you you aspire to oh gosh i've been really lucky in my career most of my bosses were almost all of them were men and actually really 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 supportive and and good mentors so um shout out to them first people in the industry you know lots of them lots of women that have stuck their head about the parapet as um technologists as founders so um Edwina Dunn for example who founded Dunn Humby and Star Count so you know she was a woman running a data business and um did extremely well with that so she's a she's a legend and for future for the Angel Academy itself what what do you see as happening i mean you've you've done incredibly well this is an award winning organization it's fantastic so what's the future for you and and simon hopkins we want to continue growing angel academy we've grown every year there are more and more women joining us as investors which is absolutely fantastic to see and i think that's what really changes the conversation we've got some businesses that we've invested in that are doing extremely well and we're we're hoping for some very good exits with uh, with good returns <laughs> for people and planet <laughs> and the the best thing well there's loads and loads of comments on your linkedin actually but i the the latest one i love this one it says sarah is a trailblazer in the angel investment space throughout my time with angel academy i have been inspired by sarah's perspective and vision the community she has built alongside the standards she has set is incredibly powerful and an exciting contribution to closing the equity gap in early stage investment. I mean, that yeah. is a fantastic, yeah. fantastic. I haven't seen that one. I'll have, to, uh, I'll have to send her her check later. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think it's a wonderful paragraph to yeah. uh, about you, Sarah, and I think it really describes what you've been trying to do. It's been a pleasure to talk to you today, hasn't it? It's been it has really been. lovely. I've really enjoyed it. And likewise, thank you very much. I've really enjoyed it. <laughs> thank oh, thank you. you. That's all we have time for in this episode of Women Making Waves. We've had a great time talking about investments and animal conservation. We'd like to thank our guests, Sarah Turner and Rebecca Willers. You can also contact us via social media on Twitter and Facebook at WomenMW or on Instagram at Women Making Waves Radio. You can also find us on cambridge105.co.uk or visit our website, womenmakingwaves.co.uk, where you can hear all of our interviews. 